0: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On vSen, the Sports Betting Network.
2: It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience right here on Vison the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous hour coming up, talking lots of college and pro football with a pair of gentlemen from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Ryan Kramer, Sean Green. They are gonna be in studio in about 15 or so minutes. And we're gonna be diving into the week two college football slate. We're gonna be diving into the week one NFL slate as well. And I'm sure that there's going to be lots of great information that winds up coming out there. And something that we do here at VEASAN is pro tips. Every single hour, we wind up giving out a pro tip. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. If you're a subscriber, you get all of these. So we wind up giving out 20 a day. You're able to sort them by sport. You're able to sort them by show. And one that we wind up extracting from our number one. How about this from the Indianapolis Colts? One 12 and one against this spread in week one games over the last 14 seasons. Just absolutely insane what we have seen from them. Obviously on those games have been without that guy by the name of Peyton Manning under center and ever since then it's been a little bit rough. So I do think that that was just a big takeaway that I wound up having. I'm sure that the gentlemen that are going to be joining me in about 15 minutes, they're going to lend some great insights. Sports Gambling Podcast Network, always tremendous. So we are going to have a great time there and here in the meantime, we're going to be trying to look for a little bit of money for Wednesday because unfortunately we don't have any football on Wednesday. We've got a lot of baseball, but we do have a game that I feel like has a total that's a little bit off. How about if we wind up going 965, 966 on the board to fair teams that we are not going to be seeing playing playoff baseball? It would be the Detroit Tigers on the road playing against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval. He goes for the Angels. Andrew Hutchinson is going to be on the bump. For the Tigers. This is a total that has ranged anywhere between eight and a half and nine. We wound up seeing a lot of nines towards the early evening hours out here in Las Vegas. This has dropped to eight and a half in most spots. So you've got the eight and a half with a lot of juice on the over right now. And with the Angels, pretty big size favorites. Anywhere between minus one ninety-three, which is a number here at Circa to minus two dollars. And between plus one seventy and plus one eighty is your number on the Detroit Tigers. And my write-up is on the under. Honestly anything above a seven was going to be a take on the under for me because with the Detroit Tigers, it's been a deplorable offense this season. They're averaging 2.98 runs per game on the road. That is by far the lowest mark out there in the game of baseball. For the LA Angels, they have been able to do a better job of being able to put back to ball recently. They do have Mike Trout along with Shio Otani doing a good job as that one-two punch, but you just take a look at this LA Angels team, and the guys at the bottom of the fold are not living up to – what they are doing at the top because you've got Trout, Notani, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, combined 33 home runs. Both of these gentlemen hitting between about a 265 to a 275. David Fletcher at the top, along with Luis Ranifo. Both of those guys fall in that neighborhood in the in terms of batting average as well. But then you've got Andrew Velasquez, Joe Adele, Max Sassi. We're just going to call it the entire catcher spot of the LA Angels because you're able to name up all of them. Mangolia Sierra, you're able to go down the line of guys hitting at 225 or lower end. For the Detroit Tigers, I mean, it's almost everyone that's hitting below a 230 for the team, and then you've got Spencer Torkelson, Tucker Barnard, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, who's currently a little bit banged up for the team. You're able to just go down the line of guys hitting a 220 or lower. They don't have a single guy with more than 12 home runs this year. It is early September, and it has not been great for this Detroit Tigers team. Victor Reyes is hitting about a 275 along with Harold Castro, and that's about the only nice things that you can find to say about the Detroit Tigers, but what I will say about the Tigers is, for as bad as the offense has been, bullpen hasn't been too bad. You've had a lot of guys be able to step up in this bullpen. You've got Andrew Chafin, who did wind up throwing on Tuesday, but he only threw 11 pitches, along Joe Jimenez, Jose Serrano, guys like this, posting up a sub-3-5 ERA. They rank ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, and the LA Angels are a team that's pretty synonymous with not such great bullpen pitching, but I'll say this for the LA Angels. If you date it back to August 1st on, so you got about a 35-day sample size, the LA Angels rank in the top five in terms of bullpenny or in that span. They've been able to do a very solid job holding down the fourth. They found some young guys like hey, Andrew Watts, Jose Cuillada, Jimmy Harrogate, guys like this that have been able to come through. They've been able to do a nice job. So pitching should be fine in this game. And for Drew Hutchinson, not a guy that's going to go out there and get you much strikeouts. He's only been able to post up right around about 6 strikeouts per 9 innings. The walks have been a little bit of an issue with him as well, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and he's really been able to improve. He's giving up less than a home run per 9 innings, 360 road area compared to a 440 home area, and is out given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last seven starts. In terms of earned runs, I believe that there was a start, that there were a few unearned runs that just were not his fault in general, but he's been able to come on and he's been able to do a solid job. Flip side, Patrick Sandoval, this guy's been dealing. Two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last six starts, five total earned runs over the course of his last five starts. He's been getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's allowed just six home runs across 122 innings this season there is a little bit of hesitancy because it is going to be a little bit warmer in Los Angeles. And this is going to be a day game in Los Angeles. When you do take a look at these nighttime games out there on the West Coast, ball winds up dying a little bit more in the daytime. It does wind up becoming a little bit more hitter friendly. So that was factored in, in this spot, but I do take a look at the angels. I think that they should be able to get a very good performance here from Patrick Sandoval bullpen, it should be able to do a solid job as well. The Detroit Tigers, they just have not been able to come through in general with regards to their pitching. And it's a circumstance where with regards to money line slash run line, I do up saying the Detroit Tigers as a plus 188 underdog. In a lot of spots, we're only finding this right around a plus 180. So I need a little bit more to be able to take a shot on the run line. And as a matter of fact, as I do this show, we are seeing the money line and the run line starting to drop just a little bit. With the Angels, I would need some sort of a plus price to be able to take a shot at the Tigers. I'd be willing to lay more like a minus 105-ish with regards to the run line right now. We're finding that more in the neighborhood about a minus 110 to a minus 115. So I personally am going to be taking a look overnight to see what winds up happening. If the juice winds are coming down on the LA Angels and if I'm able to get more like that even money plus 105 run line price, I'd be willing to take a shot there. If money winds are coming in on the LA Angels, like a lot of people have been fading the Detroit Tigers this year. For obvious reasons, they have been, but if we're able to get that number a little bit higher, I would be willing to take a shot on the Tigers as well. So right now, in terms of money line, run line, I'm gauging to see how things wind up going overnight and plan to fire AM, but my write-up for DK Nation going to be on the under in this game. I think that it's too high. Hutchinson, he's been able to improve, and Patrick Sandoval, he's been dealing all season long. So looking at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at this game overnight as to what I'm going to be firing on in the AM. How about if we take a look at a game that, surprisingly has some playoff aspirations. I don't think that a lot of people thought that the Baltimore Orioles would be in the playoff hunt in September. I think that a lot of people thought that the Toronto Blue Jays were, and that winds up leading to this matchup of 973-974. Blue Jays on the road facing off against the Orioles as Dean Kramer. He is going to be on the bump for the Orioles, and Alec Manoa goes for the Blue Jays. And we've seen a rather big line move. This is a spot where The Blue Jays, they open up right around a minus 160 favorite. Now you find them anywhere between a minus 138 to a minus 145 favorite, plus 125 to plus 135. Your number on the Orioles with this total at 7.5, and And I think that it's very important when you do wind up finding strange ordeals to wind up jocking them up as outliers. If you, like me, wind up riding with the Blue Jays, because my DK Nation pick for Tuesday was actually the Blue Jays' money line, it was a rough ordeal as the Blue Jays, in the first five innings of the game, wound up going three of 14 with men in scoring position, squandered a lot of opportunities, and then you wound up watching the eighth inning. Boy, that was a horror show. You wound up seeing the Baltimore Orioles have Rudinando Dor stupidly wind up going to second base, but he wound up making one of the greatest swim moves I have ever seen on a slide, be able to get away with it. So, in a inning in which should have been done with no damage done to the Toronto Blue Jays, one run game going into the ninth inning. You wind up seeing from there reliever Trevor Richards come in. He had an 0-2 count, and then he winds up allowing a walk, and then he issues a walk with the bases loaded. There was a review play at the plate that wound up going the way of the Baltimore Orioles, and, well, yeah, that was not necessarily the world's greatest circumstance, but I've noticed in terms of baseball it's very easy to be able to flush that because, as I always say, momentum is as good as the next day's starter, and you know what? If that winds is true, then it is a very good for the Toronto Blue Jays team, as Alec Manoa has been very good. As a matter of fact, he's got an ERA that is lower on the road than at home. With Manoa, he's actually been getting fewer strikeouts per nine innings this year rather than last season, but he's been able to do a very good job of being able to keep down the walks right around 2.2 walks per nine innings over the course of 163 innings this season. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. He's been able to do a good job of being able to go relatively deep in games as well, and both of these teams, well, they to be using up their bullpen quite a bit. And interestingly enough, post-All-Star break, the Blue Jays have been a top-five bullpen in terms of ERA. The Baltimore Orioles have been as well, so you got to figure that there's going to be some tired arms because the Blue Jays and the Orioles, neither team wound up getting north of three innings on their starter on Tuesday. So that led to a whole bunch of arms being out, and you do want to be also taking note that with September call-ups, these bullpens are going to be a little bit deeper. It's not like what we wind up seeing a few years ago, where when Gabe Kapler was managing the Philadelphia Phillies, you had like 27 guys in the bullpen. You could wind up ordering a pizza for the bullpen, and every guy would wind up getting a slice, and there'd be guys still without a slice of pizza. I mean, it would just be insane. <laughs> so what we would have there as everyone was like jammed like sardines in that bullpen, but you've still got a little bit of an expanded roster. And for the Blue Jays, you've got a really good team in terms of being able to go deep as George Springer, Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette, you're able to go down the line, Viger Jr., all these guys, at least 19 home runs. And for Bichette, he's had four home runs down the last two games. He wound up having just two home runs against left-handed pitching the first 132 games of the season. He's now been able to supply three bombs over the course of the last two games. So that has really been able to being a sign for the Toronto Blue Jays team. And for the Orioles, relatively good balance with the team as Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, able to throw in there, Adelie Rushman as well. All these guys hitting between about a 245 to a 260. With Santander, he's been the main measure for this team, being able to deliver 27 home runs as Cedric Mullins along with Ori Mateo. Both of these guys do a great job of being able to see a basis, but I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to get back online a little bit more in terms of their pitching. I don't think that we're going to see the calamity that we wound up seeing a couple days ago, and I do think that with Kramer, 322 ERA, but right around six-half strikeouts per nine innings, he gives up a lot of contact. He's been a beneficiary of the ballpark wall moving out a little bit in Baltimore. I do think that the Blue Jays... Get, or Yep, the Blue Jays get to them. So, circumstance in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but I do like the Blue Jays here being able to get the job done. I felt like they should have been closer to a minus 170 favorite. So, that's what we're looking at in that. And coming up next, we're going to be diving into the game of football. John Green and Ryan Kramer are going to be joining me on the next. Right here on v the Esports that Network.
1: Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Hot, get cash with popular picks. Join Levi's 501 Pop Culture Pools for free and answer questions. For a shot at a share of $10,000 in total cash prices. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Levi's now to get on, on the action. Levi's, buy better, wear longer. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions, they do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. And no longer am I alone on the desk guys. we've got Ryan Kramer and Sean Green. They do a great job over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network joining me and. Gentlemen, I believe that you guys wound up arriving today. Welcome to Vegas, and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, Vegas, good to be here. I mean, we're coming from L.A., so it actually a little cooler here. <laughs> uh, enjoying the cool, uh, dry air of Vegas, so thanks for having
2: us. I can tell you right now, I beg to disagree. I I jog out in this heat. It was really? like 110 degrees today. <laughs> it was kill- a miserable, miserable run. That's well, so. not safe,
1: Greg. Be careful.
2: <laughs> I wound up hydrating afterwards, and by hydrate, I mean i drank a whole gallon of water like an hour afterwards. So we are all good there. But you know who's not good and who's in danger? That would be Hawaii. We were talking <laughs> about this a little bit off air, just games that stand out to us for week two. And the opener of Michigan being a 50-point favorite, it's went up from the opener to right around fifty-one and 52. And, gentlemen, I just want to get your take here as to, for one, just when's the last time we've seen a line between two FBS schools wind up being this high in week two and two, just why do you wind up making out of it in general? Because it's just insane in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, well, it's very generous of you to call them an
0: FBS program. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on our college uh, football picks show and Kramer pointed out that they're essentially using this game as a tryout. Like they're, they're trying out two different quarterbacks. That's how little respect they have for Hawaii. Michigan's like, Hey, this is basically a spring game. We're going to see how you do out there. So uh, yeah, that alone shows you how little Michigan thinks of this team and rightly so. I mean, maybe maybe Hawaii gets something done late, but I, man, it's hard not to take the 50 and a half. It's, it, they just look so bad.
1: It, it, they are an FCS program. We, I think, we would see them struggle to beat some of the premier FCS programs. Or
2: North Dakota State would kill them. Uh, and, oh, yeah. and
1: at this moment, Michigan, a team that I think was probably getting a little disrespected in the preseason, like like we're saying, they're having open tryouts. I'm pretty sure their third string can roll up Hawaii. So to lay fifty, we're gonna have a second half where guys are trying.
0: Well, Ryan, well, it's now fifty-one and a half. Sorry, so 50, that's we're uh, crossing through a key number fifty one.
1: I mean, I, I guess you bet this all the way up to 55 if we're, if we're talking key numbers, but I think just the fact that even the backups will be scoring in this one, again, bet it all the way up. Well, why not? Rarely do I like getting on a favorite like that, but it's hard. Probably maybe, maybe first half, maybe first yeah, quarter. Yeah, just get
0: the first half so then you don't have to punish yourself by watching the second half of the game. But it, it,
1: the <laughs> talent difference is going to be so stark. You're going to feel bad for this Hawaii team.
2: And I think that you bring up a really interesting point with this game, and we wound up seeing it a few days ago as well in that Clemson versus Georgia Tech game because garbage time wound up deciding a lot of your bets. If you wound up taking it under a little bit too early when it was like 50, 50 and a half, you wound up getting the short end of the stick on that one. And I do think that it is important to take a look at how these teams wind up playing towards the end of games because there are some of these spreads, like in this case, it's 51 too. And typically it's not this demonstrative, but you're going to see certain teams that they're going to call off the dogs. They're going to let walkie McWalk on, get in, get his kneel down and everyone's all happy. And then you're going to see teams like Clemson. You mentioned it with Michigan guys actually trying in the second half and they're going to want to wind up running up the score and they're going to want to put points up on there.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you, you mentioned Georgia tech I, I thought, you know, we were both uh, Kramer and I both wanted to fade big Cinco. I'm not a believer. I don't, I still don't think he looked good (laughs) even though they covered the game and you know, you talk about kind of looking at other factors. I mean, Georgia tech, if they don't get that second punt blocked, Uh. I think they cover the spread. And unfortunately I, I feel like this past week one and week zero, I still did pretty good picks wise. I was up but I, I was on the opposite side, I feel like, of every one of these block kicks, missed extra points. It's, uh, you know, again, these are, they're college kickers. Yeah, but...
1: remind you how awesome college sports are. Yeah. Just, it, yeah I it's... mean, as I wear this Virginia Tech shirt, heart ripped out of my body. It's I... co- They're college kids. They, they, they screw up in the same ways every time, and uh, we watch it, and we're surprised every time.
2: And you know what? They're going to be facing off against another team that had a little bit of a heartbreaker in week one. Speaking of Virginia Tech, as they're going to be going to Boston College. If you're out here at Circa, you have actually got the uh, lowest number on the board with Virginia Tech being a two-point favorite. Market-wide, we're seeing mostly Virginia Tech being a three-point favorite. So I'll kick it to you right now since you're wearing the shirt. What do you think (laughs) of Virginia Tech perhaps being in a little bit of a bounce-back spot after they wind up losing to an Old Dominion team that I I recognize that it's Old Dominion, but they've been able to do a relatively solid job here ever since they've wanted coming up to the FBS level. But I think that this could be a little bit of a good bounce-back spot
1: why did why did the ACC play these games I mean uh, again this is the little brother thing happens uh, talk to coach pry everything seems okay the program will move on I love this narrative and generally as a as a fan it's really hard for me to say yeah go take Virginia Tech as a favorite confidently but Boston College is a team that they have generally had some demons against and so while I think this has to be a bounce back spot I worry they're going to be tight I would stay away from this. Like as a fan, this, I, I don't, I don't need to lose the Boston college and end up Owen two. So I'm probably staying away, but I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't be running to back Boston college, but as a narrative, I love taking teams that are coming off that tough early loss. They're obviously going to be under or overvalued based on the results. So uh, for that reason, I guess go Hokies. We'll, we'll we'll go back to the that well, was that was points, Ryan but. essentially
0: picking Boston College without picking Boston College. If Ryan's not all in, that's a that's a red flag, and it's cautiously I, I, optimistic. I, I, situationally, you can make a case for Virginia Tech, but just eye test of what we saw on the field from that program. Um, you know, we had Bud Foster on our show, and he kind of <laughs> tipped his hand and being like, you know, the roster, we got some good starters, but overall, we're kind of a thin program. And I still think they're going to be in a transition period. So I I can't take Virginia Tech as a favorite, even at home against Boston College right now. I didn't see anything really out of them in
2: that game that would warrant them being a favorite. So I'm on Boston College. And Ryan, you pointed out something that I think is just so important for anyone looking to bet college football this week, the week one overreactions. There are so many things in which It's either the greatest thing ever or it's the worst thing ever. There's not a whole heck of a lot of in-between when it comes to evaluating these teams. And I think that that's where a lot of money can be made. You take a look at a team that wound up having a big week one performance and everyone's just jumping on them. You wind up seeing them get steamed up or vice versa. A team that might have wound up struggling a little bit. You've got a lot of people that are fading them. I think that there's a lot of money being made just looking at human reaction and gauging how people are valuing a team after just one game of a sample size. I mean,
1: absolutely. It's, uh, we, we, we see it week zero even, but yep. I mean, coming into like one of the teams I love coming into this week was I was watching Duke last week. I was watching their offense looked like the greatest offense in college football and immediately said, let me circle this because no matter the situation, I want to fade them looked at the schedule, see it's Northwestern coming off a bye well-coached team. They're going to be prepared. I doubt Duke's offense is going to look so efficient, even though it's 10 points. Not, not worried. I would lay that with Northwestern again, fading Duke coming off that insane uh, debut performance for the coach.
0: I'm on the, I'm on the opposite side. I, I see Kramer's point there, but I like Duke catching 10 points. And I do like what I saw out of the offense. That didn't look to me like a fluke. I get the idea that maybe they should be catching more and and it's an overreaction, but Northwestern, um, you know, they were celebrating a ton. And I think a, a week off this early for that program, I mean, they, it felt like they won their Super Bowl in Ireland. And now I can see them not getting up for this Duke game. And the Duke offense looked sharp, looked efficient. I think this is a one-score game, so I'll happily take the 10 points.
2: And I think that it's fascinating that you guys wind up talking about Northwestern because the other team that wound up playing in that game in Ireland they did not wind up taking a bye week, which I thought was one of the more befuddling <laughs> things I've ever seen. They wind up going to Ireland, they come back, and then they wind up hosting North Dakota, and now they're facing off against a team, in which, i are going to call it what it is, not necessarily a stalwart of college football in Georgia Southern, but we've seen Nebraska go from a opening favorite of 21 up to, in some places, as high as about a 23.5, seeing a lot of 23s, and... As long as Scott Frost is a coach of Nor- <laughs> Nebraska, I don't know if I'm able to bet on this team. I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of number out there that might wind up calling my name, but I do think that taking a look at coaching in college football is important. And right now, in terms of my coaching power rankings, Scott Frost, He's towards the bottom of the totem pole. (laughs) Well, everyone's joking. Are they going to let Scott Frost
0: back on the plane from Ireland after that onside kick? So you have to factor that in. Even if they are dominating or even if they are up two scores, there's going to be some sort of special teams there. There's going to be some sort of timeout they should have called. There's going to be something where you go, man, Scott Frost, you're killing me. So I, I... I would just keep waiting and take Georgia Suther if you can get a 24 and a half something like that and and hope for the best there I, I can't imagine laying a massive spread um, no. with this Nebraska ah, team regardless fade. of the program
1: auto fade. It he clearly is sabotaging him so there's, there's <laughs> he's not trying to win football games.
0: what is the buyout we need to do some research <laughs> on what his buyout is and you know what are the, what are all the contingencies because he is a guy you know there's some guys playing for their job he is coaching to lose his job it's it's crazy. Still it, has it though.
2: Yeah, for now. It is absolutely crazy what we've been seeing there. And if you're looking for the best of number, right here at Circa, it's currently at 24, but oh. coming up next, we've got some interesting conference battles that are gonna be going down in college football. We'll talk about those next, right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: You're experiencing
1: Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: It is football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like v and now is the time to become a V-CIN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro football guides. Only v subscribers get all the tools to prepare for both the college and the pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles on every single team with advanced stats, power rankings, best bets on season win totals, sufficient finishes, player awards, and so much more. Sign up early, and for a discounted rate of $175, You'll get both guys plus full access to V-SIN all the way through the Super Bowl, or for just forty bucks a month, see everything VSN has to up your sports betting game. Go to VSN.com/slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the sports betting network. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Greg Peterson Experience, still being joined by Ryan Kramer and Sean Green. These guys do absolutely tremendous work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and talked about it a little bit earlier. We've got some divisional games that are going down in week two of the college football season and the one that for me is most notable is USC versus Sanford a game which USC opened up a 10 and a half point favorite now they're down in a lot of spots at eight and a half but before we wind up diving into any specific games do you guys wind up handicapping these conference games that wind up happening so early in the season a little bit differently because I personally do a lot of college basketball and I always think that it's so strange when you wind up getting conference games this early in the year and they just don't seem to have Really, the same pizzazz, for lack of better term, that you wind up seeing when these games are played in like October and November.
1: It certainly is one of those situations where you have to decide which team's going to be more ready. This is essentially the preseason for college football, and for me, I'm going to lean towards the guy, the coach. Like, which coach do I like more? Which players have the the, the established edge? And which you know we're going to get get to a game that I think is a good example of this. Which coach? Which coach and which program do you trust more? to show up and be prepared off the get-go and then you know weigh in the fact that the odds are probably thinking about what the perception of a team is more than what the reality of the team might be so I mean speaking specifically of say the packed the pac 12 and beautiful uh, uh the bay area up in Palo Alto Stanford no home field at all USC coming to town with all the excitement all the hype this is a spot where I understand why it was bet down. Stanford's done well against the number against USC of late, but this is a, a team and a coach that I think the offense is going to be firing. And I don't, I just don't trust Stanford to be able to score with this USC team. I think USC has some places to trip on their schedule coming up, but the nature of this early kind of conference game like we're discussing, I think actually I'm going to give the edge to USC in this case because I think the coach has that the, the the system that's going to be ready to go firing right away. So I, I worry Stanford can't keep up. I'm, I'm willing to lay the points now that it's been bet down under the 10.
2: And I want to pose this to you as well. How did you wind up evaluating USC coming into the season? Because they were one of the most fascinating case studies. Just a terrible year last season. But they wind up bringing in and Riley. They wind up bringing in... All these transfers, all that talent. We all know about the history that USC winds up having with it, so that means heightened expectations. What were your expectations coming into the year for them?
1: A lot. I think. I mean, I think they're certainly going to disappoint. Like I said, they have some games against Fresno, Oregon State, that I think are very trippable, especially with the guy who Lincoln you – know, let's, let's face it, Lincoln Ryan, he hasn't done anything anywhere else other than Oklahoma. He's been at one program, so you have to at some point – say, hey, he's going to have a moment where maybe he doesn't get it right. I mean, they go to Utah. That team looks like they're going to be battle-tested. So do I expect them to trip? And when we holistically look at this uh, team and their 9.5 win total, will will they be a disappointment? I do think so. But I don't think it's going to be against a Stanford team that can't score. It's going to be against a team that can score with them. Their flaws are on defense. And so the evaluation is that I think they're going to be a good offense. They're going to have some problems on defense. And I think Lincoln Riley will show his his coach
2: coaching acumen positively and then negatively in a couple of these tougher uh, tougher road spots. You speak of coaching acumen, and we're going to pose this one to you, Sean, because we were talking about this guy a little bit off air. Brett Bielema, he wound up <laughs> having not such a rosy week one. I am someone from the great state of Wisconsin, so not necessarily the most love here for him, so I wasn't <laughs> necessarily shedding a lot of tears. As Right now we've got this Illinois versus Virginia game with a spread of four and a half, Illinois being the favorite, and... I take a look at Virginia. No doubt they wind up having Bronco all wind up leaving the program in the offseason, but by and large, you do have a lot of the explosive pieces on offense that we have been seeing. Total, it's right around 57 to 57.5, relatively high for an Illinois game. How do you wind up gauging this one? Because we were talking about taking a look at coaching a little bit earlier, and I have to knock Illinois for the fact that Brett Bielma, we talk about Lincoln Riley doing nothing outside of <laughs> Oklahoma. Brett Bielma has done jack-diddly squat ever since he has left Wisconsin. Yeah, no, uh, it,
0: I mean, Illinois is a favorite. I think that's always a good time to fade them, especially with, uh, Virginia. And I think this offense with Virginia is going to continue to surprise people. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Brendan Armstrong. I, I like the way he moves around the pocket. I mean, maybe a poor man's poor man's, uh, <laughs> Steve young somewhere in there. Like I, I think he creates a bunch of exciting plays. He's a very dynamic player. And this UVA team. This is when I knew this UVA team was going to be good. When we did our ACC win totals uh, preview podcast, Ryan, a uh, noted Virginia Tech guy, he was also on the over for UVA. So that, to me, <laughs> as a handicapper, uh, I was like, if Kramer's on board with UVA, this team I think is going to surprise people. You know, maybe they're not going to win the ACC, but you know, they could go seven and five, eight and four, and I think they're going to be a live dog in this game for sure.
2: And I just take a look at the ACC in general. This is something that I wanted to take a look at in the off season and. While it was a little bit of a disappointing week one, the two teams are going to be squaring off Boston College along with Virginia Tech. Didn't wind up having the greatest week one in the world. I just take a look at this ACC, and it feels much deeper than it's been in the past. No doubt Clemson currently the favorite in the conference, but when I take a look at the ACC, I feel like those middle-of-the-road teams, especially a team like at NC State, they got a scare. they were able to survive and be able to get the win, though. I take a look at them, and I just feel like the overall depth in this conference much better than it's been in the past.
1: And you I mean, again, you look quarterback talent, you could argue it, it's the best in the in, yeah. the in the nation. And so I think you're going to have a lot of teams with a lot of quarterbacks with experience. You also have a lot of teams that are just well put together. I mean, just about anyone could win the Coastal uh, just about mm-hmm. like, like every year. And on the other side, uh, more so than most, Clemson does seem like there's weakness there. Yeah. I mean, Florida State, big <laughs> win. You have Wake Forest, a team that wh- why not? They got the great news that the quarterback is back. And I'm a big fan of Malik Cunningham. I think he could ruin some seasons, even though they didn't start off on the right foot. So I I do think the conference is deep. I do think it's going to be one of those conferences. You probably just want to blindly say, you know what? Let's take the dog. Let's take the dog in these matchups and not, and not overthink it because there's going to be
0: some crazy back and forth. Yeah. And, and Duke is at 500 to one, which again, I'm not suggesting people (laughs) should bet Duke uh, maybe against Northwestern catching the 10 points, but even the, even the bottom of the barrel is still, this is probably the better like one of the better Duke teams in a little while. So mm. even, even bottom uh, part of the conference is still relatively strong. I mean, Kramer just mentioned Malik Cunningham, um, you know, Virginia tech at 80 to one, like it's, it's crazy how even it is. And Clemson. Yeah, they are the favorite, but again, they, there was like a point there in the first half where you're like Georgia tech might be able to pull this off. So I think the ACC is super wide open, which is always fun as a gambler. Cause there's, there's going to be a lot of live dogs. I think in the futures market, And I don't think it's bad strategy right now, especially these couple teams in the 50 to 80 to 1 market, uh, you know, taking a couple shots there.
2: All right, I'm going to type this out Duke, Duke. (laughs) bankroll, go to ATM. There you go. 500 to 1. All right, we got, (laughs) no, I'm kidding, of course. But I do think, to your point, it is going to be a great ACC. And I do think that there's going to be, to your point, a lot of value on the underdogs as well. And when it comes to just the week two slate in general, in terms of college football, I do think that there are some valuable underdogs. Did any wind up sending out to you when you took a look at the card and you thought, man, this is just a couple too many points? Uh, you can go first. Uh, I mean,
1: like, uh, there, there are a number of spots where I feel like, and I'm going to pull up my notes here for a sec. The, there are a couple spots where, I mean, let's let's go back to the Malik Cunningham game because I know that there, there are plenty of trends that would steer you away from a team laying an egg on the road, going back to the road. But I, I'm bought in on this dude, and I just – Fifth year, I, I just don't—disappointment. I, I know they had a season-crushing loss, but I want to go back to the well. I think they show up. They have the talent. Bounce-back spot. Narrative-driven, perhaps. Maybe the number's shorter than it needs—or or bigger than it needs to be, but I'm taking the plus six. I'm taking the money line for Louisville down in uh, Orlando there against Central Florida.
2: I do not blame you. And, Sean, do you end up having – Yeah, a yeah, I like,
0: I like Pitt as a home dog. You know, you can always talk me into <laughs> into home dogs here. And, uh, you know, Tennessee obviously looked uh, really oh. good against uh, – And Hooker, Sun. baby. Yeah, and, and he, he lit it up. But I, I still like Narduzzi at home with extra time in this situation. And over the years, Pittsburgh um, and Narduzzi, that defense has, has really done some stuff to kind of – uh, stumped the uh, Tennessee head coach. So I, I think they're definitely a live dog here at
2: home catching an extra day of rest. And Ryan, I'm going to pose this to you as we've got about 40 or so seconds here. Notre Dame, they're up to a 20 and a half point favorite against Marshall. Do you think that maybe the love is going a little bit too far for what Notre Dame did? In, yes. Albeit a relatively impressive loss, but still a loss against Ohio State
1: it's just also a letdown spot there's no way I'm running to the window to lay points with Notre Dame coming off that game
2: yeah
0: uh,
1: I, not that I love Marshall in this spot but I think the, the number even being where it is is kind of suggesting to you what what they're expecting from the betting uh community Notre Dame's gonna catch the action if you like Marshall wait till kickoff it's probably gonna grow but yeah let's uh let's let's go with the thundering herd
2: I like it and we're gonna be taking a look at a little bit of a different blend of football next. We've been talking a lot of college football. We head to the pros on the flip side right here on the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Kick off the football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long. Bet Rivers is your go-to sportsbook for the fall, for all football-related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for all the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and so much more. Every single week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, as we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience on V The Sports Betting Network and I'm being joined by Sean Green along with Ryan Kramer, who do a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And I know you gentlemen have a little bit of a contest for this upcoming season. Take the people through it because I think that you guys have a good one. Oh,
0: yeah. We have a, uh, it's called the Free Roll Football Contest. Uh, it's very easy. We're giving away $5,000. Uh, to the top winners and a two night stay at the win. Uh, You're picking every NFL game against the spread. Uh, Again, it's completely free. All you got to do is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash discord, a sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash discord. You hop in our discord, which is pretty awesome anyway. It's just like your uh, favorite sports bar, except everyone's just talking about gambling. And then you click the sign up link uh, right there and you're good to go. So get those picks in for NFL week one.
1: It's the only contest with a bigger overlay than (laughs) the circus.
0: Free for, to join. Percentage-wise, so. yes, uh, we would beat them.
2: <laughs> hey, I did mind him signing up for that Circa Billions because I saw the thing out there. It's like, oh, boy, there's going to be a nice overlay, so I'm going to get in on this as well. So <clears throat> might absolutely. as well get a good return on investment there. And we're looking for a good a- return on investment when it comes to week one of the NFL. And we want them seeing lots of line movement overnight because – I've been taking a look at this Colts versus Texans game for a while. It was at 8 for the longest time. That has now dropped to 7. The Washington game against the, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that was at 3 for the longest time. That winds up dropping to 2.5. Did either of those line moves sway you on this game at all, or is it one of those situations where the underdog might be a little bit overmatched? Because the one in particular that really stands out to me is the Jaguars, just because, well, they're the reason why Carson Wentz is in Washington right now. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I, certainly, I'm not running to bet Carson Wentz. No. So uh, if we're, if we're discussing like, does the line move make sense? To me, it does. Yep. Uh, I'm certainly going to I think, I think Sean would agree. Yeah. And fake Carson Wentz. There's so many situations here. You point out that the, 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 the end of the season uh, situation, there's also the Doug Peterson uh, mind manipulation. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, basically Doug Peterson's not in Philadelphia anymore. A big part of it, Carson Wentz is poor play. And I think Doug Peterson liked coaching in Philly. Uh, things kind of unraveled a lot of because of Carson Wentz's issues in the locker room. He wasn't a guy that took to hard coaching, so I think Doug P has a chip on his shoulder for this game specifically. And uh, I mean, again, this Washington team is is pretty thin talent wise. You know, uh, Brian Robinson, their their you know rising rookie, unfortunately was a you know victim of this horrible carjacking. Obviously, he's going to be out. Um, I, I just don't see a ton of talent on this uh, Commanders team. And, yeah, I, I I think Jacksonville coming in with a chip on their shoulder is certainly interesting.
2: Yep, and I'm so glad that you point out the point of Doug Peterson because how often do you wind up seeing a coach win the Super Bowl and then get ousted just years <laughs> They, they after? got a
0: statue of him and Nick Foles two years later and neither of those guys mm-hmm. are there. <laughs> oh,
2: That's just something that you don't see very often. And I do feel like there are a couple games that are going a little bit under the radar as well as the one that really catches my eye. I just – Maybe I'm a schmuck for just betting on Bill Belichick, but the New England Patriots being a a three-and-a-half-point underdog against Miami, I recognize that there is a track record of New England struggling in Miami, but I just, maybe it's just me, but I felt like Brian Flores was one of the better coaches in the NFL. They get rid of him. Now you wind up bringing in Mike McDaniel, which he could be a good coach and still wind up being a downgrade to Brian Flores. There's lots of unknowns with his self and seam. I want no part of laying three-and-a-half Meanwhile, I feel like I know what I'm getting a little bit more out of Bill Belichick because we've seen him from him for like 500 years.
0: Yeah, you know, when you're betting on Bill Belichick, unfortunately this season you're also betting on Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator, which I think (laughs) is a real issue. Now, all the points you laid out about Miami, that is why I'm down on Miami for the season. This particular spot, man, Florida teams at home in September Uh. in that heat – uh, they're tough to go against, and New England in particular always struggles down there. I've been going back and forth on this. Uh, I I could see myself going New England because uh, I well also on the on the on the podcast I talk a ton of crap on Tua, so if I I, I could I could do it I could pick Tua and the Dolphins, and that's a win win. Either I hit my bet or I get to make fun of Tua even more and blame him for the loss. So I'm really torn on this game. I think it's one of the harder ones to pick, but. Uh, I, I think probably I'll lean Patriots because division game week one. I think you're better off taking the dog. A
1: few, few situations in the NFL are, are stone clad. You you take one side or you don't take it at all. And then you sprinkle in Matt Patricia's calling the plays. <laughs> but I, I, I don't see any way. I mean, I, I'm not as down on Tua. I do. I see. I, I think Brian Flores was a good coach too. I do worry about the new coach first game, but if I'm gonna if I'm ever gonna bet against Bill Belichick, it's gonna be in that Miami game because they just it it's just different level of humidity. So I'm not gonna take the Patriots here. I don't know if I'm running to to lay the three and a half with Tua.
2: I can't blame you there. And I think that leads to something that's very interesting in general. Just taking a look at because we were talking about the games that we like the most where we find a lot of value. Is there one game in particular for either of you gentlemen that you just take a look at it and it's like I see no reason to bet either of these sides. I see no value here whatsoever because the game that I can't make heads or tails of right now, that'd be the Raiders against the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Big rematch from what we wound up seeing to end the year last year. I like this Las Vegas team, but I think the Chargers, just with talent and talent alone, they're a top three team, but the coaching. What am I going to get out of Brandon Staley? Is he going to stupidly go for it and like fourth and five in his own 25 yard line and just completely torpedo the game? That's what keeps me off of it. And that's why I want no part of it. Is there any game like that for week one that's coming to mind for you guys?
1: Uh, It's the bears Niners game because everything in my, my brain says, take the bears. But then I've seen that offense (laughs) and I don't know if I could even fade like fading Trey Lance is something I want to do, but I also want to fade Justin Fields. And so. As much as it's clear to me that you're supposed to take the home dog in this one and catch the points, can Justin Fields in this offense move the ball against the Niners in that defense? I don't know. I think this could be a really ugly, low-scoring game, as the total indicates, at 41.5. But this is a game that I'm absolutely not looking forward to betting either side
0: of. Well, and, and uh, I guess for me it would be uh, Broncos, Seattle, oh. Oh. and to me it seems really obvious. Uh, Russell Wilson coming back, his home <laughs> team. He's gonna take. He's gonna light them up. But meanwhile, on the other side, I'd love me a home dog. Who is? It's their Super Bowl, right? Pete Carroll, all yeah. these, all these Seahawks players. They, they want to stick it to Russell Wilson. So, and this uh, number is gonna be seven by kickoff. Yeah, and it's a non-conference road spot for. Uh, Broncos team, which again, tons of moving parts. They didn't get a lot of reps in the preseason. I could see their offense coming out and being a little stiff and taking them time to figure out, but then you're also betting Gino Smith <laughs> in prime time. Like, so that
2: one to me is one of the harder ones to pick. And you lead into it. Vston.com slash subscribe for all these. We've got a pro tip every single hour. And I am the one for this home underdogs in week one. Since the beginning of 2011, they cover 54.7% of the time. Like some of these are just absolutely grody, as I mean, like you take a look at the ones that you wanted mentioning, the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks, and I could make a little bit more of a case for the Seattle Seahawks rather than the Bears. I just want absolutely no (laughs) part of that team whatsoever. I take a look at the Jets, and what are we going to be able to get at quarterback? Because I honestly don't think if Joe Flacco winds up starting this game, which you got to think that he's going to, that's not a downgrade to Zach Wilson at this point. Maybe Zach Wilson busts out towards the back half of the season, but. Honestly, the line going from four and a half to seven, I think it's unwarranted because I wasn't high on Zach Wilson to start with. Yeah, no. And especially if Joe Flacco plays, I think Elijah Moore, his uh,
0: DFS stock, some of his player props are pretty interesting. Cause if you remember um, one of the, uh, the last game, Joe Flacco started, I think Elijah Moore went for like nine, one Oh eight and a touchdown. He had a big, uh, like a 41 yard touchdown catch. And by all accounts from Jets training <laughs> camp, Joe Flacco was lighting it up. So <laughs> Uh, To your point, I think Flacco, especially week one, he might be an upgrade, especially Zach Wilson, where it's like, he missed so much time. He's probably, he's not taking snaps today on Tuesday and you're going to against this Ravens defense. I would much rather take Joe Flacco possibly getting up for this game against his former team than Zach Wilson. But now there's been reports like, Hey, Zach Wilson's kind of healthy. He's close. I don't know. It's the jets. Do you really, can you really take Uh. the jets too?
2: That's why
1: they say they're ugly dogs, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it certainly is one of those cases because, I mean, you bring it up as well with it being Joe Flacco's former team. If he does wind up going out there, I think that that would be very beneficial for them as well. And then we have seen a little bit of a move in terms of some of these totals as well here in the last 45 or so seconds. Any total really stand out to you that you think might be a little bit juicy? I, I
1: brought, talked about it earlier. I'm take the under on that Niners Bay. I don't know how No
2: Disagreement. <laughs> I don't know how
1: either team's scoring points. I, this is one of these where you could probably say bet it down to 38 because I, again, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, not, uh, not high on them starting fast, especially against two competent defenses
2: anything for you, Sean? Yeah, I would look to uh,
0: Titans, uh, Giants. I would look to the under in that. Uh, no offense to Ryan, mm-hmm. but I'm very skeptical of the playmakers on the off- <laughs> on the offensive side of the Giants. Uh, the Titans are figuring out their offense. No A.J. Brown. I think it's just going to be a heavy dose of Derrick Henry bleeding the clock. You know this feels like a 21-10 game 21-14
2: so uh definitely on the under on that one i don't blame you as ryan kramer sean green they do great work over at the sports gambling podcast network great to have them in studio what's the guarantee
1: what's the guarantee hey derek
0: what's the guarantee
1: the biggest pro football contest in vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. There's two ways to win. There's two ways to win. There's two ways to win. There's two ways. To win. There's two ways to-